people all over the world have been looking towards Belfast this weekend. They've been thinking of the tragic of the, the tragedy of the sinking of the Titanic, and I'm sure many of us have listened to some of the stories on the radio and on television, and we've shed a tear as as we've heard some of those heartbreaking stories. If you, like me, have listened to some of the letters that have been read on Radio Ulster during the past week, you'll have been struck by the optimism and the self-confidence and the hope and the plans for the future of the writers. And then you'll have been devastated when the broadcaster concludes he did not survive. As the Titanic steamed steadily through the calm but icy waters of the North Atlantic, there was a moment when the lookout suddenly saw the iceberg ahead and frantically signaled warnings to the bridge, but it was too late. The liner con collided with a huge iceberg. The ship that was said to be unsinkable was doomed. For days the Titanic had been steaming towards the iceberg, and the iceberg had been drifting towards its rendezvous with the Titanic. They were on a collision course with death. The ship could have changed course earlier. The radio operator had passed on messages to the captain about the presence of icebergs. The captain could have taken a more southerly route, but he didn't, and eventually the point came when it was too late to change course. And of course, the inevitable happened and over 1,500 people, as we know, were lost. At this Easter season, we've been remembering the fateful journey of Jesus to Jerusalem, leaving the safe surroundings of his native Galilee, traveling through Samaria, stopping off in Jericho, climbing up the hills to Jerusalem. And then when Jesus went down the Mount of Olives and entered the holy city on that Palm Sunday, he was on a collision course with death. The cheering crowds didn't know it, but he knew the ship was heading for an iceberg. The difference, however, of course, was in this case, his death was not the end. It was not a tragic accident. Here, God was fulfilling his purpose, his plan. And as we know, he raises Jesus from the grave, defeating death. And Easter comes. And just as people couldn't believe at first that the Titanic had sunk, the disciples couldn't believe at first that Jesus had been raised to life. On that first Easter morning, you remember, when the women looked into the tomb, when they found it was empty, and when they ran to the, to the apostles to tell them what had happened, Luke records, the apostles did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. In fact, if you read the accounts of the risen Christ meeting various followers on that resurrection day, you'll see there's 
much confusion. This was an event beyond their understanding. There was such uncertainty that it took them some time to grasp the immensity and the reality of what had happened. And we see the apostles going back to Galilee. It's always a moving experience to go back to a place of many memories, to stand again on ground where perhaps some great decision in life took place or where we dreamed our dreams in youth. Going back touches deep emotions, and uh, we've been seeing some of that on our television today. The apostles go back to the shores of Galilee. That's a very moving fact that this uh, story that we're looking at in John 21 today, this story that's practically the closing scene in the long drama of Jesus' dealings with his apostles, this takes place at more or less the same spot where the very first part of the drama was enacted, right there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Here was Peter, back in the old fishing boat, back at the old occupation, old way of life. Here was a man who'd immediately responded three years before when Jesus had said, follow me. He'd left all, he'd left it for good, and now he's back again and he's telling his friends, I'm going fishing. Why? Why, we may wonder. Peter knew that Jesus had risen from the dead. Peter knew that Calvary was not the end. Why had he returned to his former profession? Could it be that Peter felt that he'd been a failure? He'd been the leader of the group, and he'd disowned Jesus. He'd swore he never knew him. He'd been the worst of cards. I'm not fit for leadership. I better go back to where I came from. I'm going fishing. Unfortunately, when he and his companions got into the boat that night, failure still dogged his footsteps. He fished all night and caught nothing. By the way, I'm sure you know that Nighttime was when they fished. A light would be placed on the stern of the boat. The light would be attracting the fish. And so it was at night that they worked. And here, Peter and his friends have fished all night and caught nothing. Then, in the gray light of dawn, a solitary figure is standing on the shore. Friends, haven't you any fish he shouts. No, they reply. Throw your nets then on the right side of the boat and you'll find some, the stranger calls. By the way, this was a strange request, an unusual request. Fishing boats in the Sea of Galilee used an oar attached to the right side of the ship as a rudder to guide them. You threw your fishing net on the left side of the ship. 
you kept away from the right so it didn't get tangled with the rudder. And the stranger says, throw your net on the right side of the fish, of the ship. And they do it, and they get a great catch. And then Peter hears a voice whispering in his ear. It's John, and John says to him, it's the Lord. And for the next hour, it was like a lifetime for Peter. Peter leaps into the sea. He encounters Jesus on the beach. The meal around the fire is eaten. And then Peter suddenly finds himself with Jesus. And Jesus looks into his eyes and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? We come here on onto a, a very precious piece of conversation. And what I'd like to do with you this morning, very briefly, is, is to look at what takes place in this dialogue between Peter and Jesus. There's a challenge here, there's a confession, and there's a commission. And each one is repeated three times. You see them in verses 15, 16, and 17 of John 21. The challenge, do you love me? The confession, you know that I love you. The commission, take care of my lambs, take care of my sheep. So let's look briefly at the conversation. First, the challenge. Do you love me? We know, of course, why Jesus asked it three times. Indeed, it annoyed Peter that Jesus asked him three times, but we remember as I'm sure Peter was remembering the scene at the high priest's house. There'd been three denials, and here God provides for that triple sin, a triple uh, obliteration. Three times Peter confesses his love. When Jesus met Peter here, Jesus gets to the very heart of the faith. He didn't say to Peter, though he could, Peter, are you not ashamed of what you've done? Are you contrite? Do you repent of of your betrayal of me? Are you ready even to apologize? Or he could have talked to Peter about his doubts. When the women came to you, why did you say they were talking nonsense? Did you not believe what I had taught you? But Jesus doesn't attack Peter in these ways. He cuts to the heart of the matter and he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? You know, Sunday by Sunday in church, we talk about many things, many aspects of the faith. Some of them can be controversial, and we've been dealing with some very difficult issues in our studies in 1 Corinthians. But when we get to what's at the heart of the faith, isn't it the question that Jesus asks, Peter? Do you love me? That's what he asks us. And you know, when people from the outside look at us, it's not that they're convinced by our ability to argue for this point of view or this doctrine or that. Most people are unmoved by argument. They are convinced by love. And Jesus says to us, do you love me? And to answer that with all sincerity and say, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. That's salvation. Let's just look 
for a little while at the threefold confession that Peter makes. Jesus asked him, do you love me more than these others do? And Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Here was Peter wanting to prove his love to Jesus, but to what could he appeal? He couldn't appeal to his record. That was besmirched by shame. He couldn't appeal to his reputation as a man of his word. He'd, he'd, he'd gone back on his word. He couldn't appeal to the witness of his fellow disciples. They knew he'd played the card at Jerusalem. He'd nothing to appeal to, nothing to prove that his love was genuine. And yet there was something. And in a flash, he knew what that was. He knew that Jesus understood. He knew that the key to everything was in the understanding heart of Jesus himself. And so he says, Lord, you know all things. You know the whole story. You know how I failed. You know that in spite of everything, I love you still. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, he says. There's a beautiful story about C.H. Spurgeon visiting a bedridden woman. And she'd been there in her bedroom ill and was quite depressed. And when Spurgeon visited, she said, you know, I don't think I've any real faith left or any true love for Christ whatsoever. Spurgeon was a, a wise man. He, he didn't argue with this lady and say, oh, come on now, you're, 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 you're not like that. He went to the window in the bedroom and he took a piece of paper and he wrote the words on the paper, I do not love the Lord Jesus Christ. And he brought it over to the lady and he said to her, here's a pencil. Dear friend, just sign this. She took it and she read it and she wept and said, it's not true. I'll be torn to pieces before I'll sign that. Well then, Spurgeon said, I suspect that you do love him after all. Yes, yes, she cried, I see it now. I love him. Christ knows that I love him. Most of us have denied Christ. We've failed him many times in life. We can't appeal to what others would say on our behalf. But we know that Jesus knows the whole story, not just the extent of our failures in life, but the hidden pressures, the problems that we have. And he knows that we want to love him still. When every other appeal or proof is gone, we can fall back and trust in the understanding heart of Jesus. He knows the whole story. He knows we love him still. And this brings me finally to, to the threefold commission. Jesus says to Peter, take care of my lambs, take care of my sheep, take care of my sheep. What's happening here? In this commission to Peter, Jesus is doing two things. He's showing Peter that he trusts him, and he's also testing Peter. 
trusting him. Here was Jesus so soon to leave the world, arranging for the future of his work to be put back into the hands of Peter, the one who'd failed him so notoriously. Anybody watching could have said, no, no, Lord, don't do that. That's the man who is least dependable. But three times, Jesus says, take care of my lambs, take care of my sheep, take care of my sheep. Jesus wants to signify his utter confidence in Peter. Christ's way is not the world's way. Imagine the effect that this had on Peter. Here's Peter back home feeling a failure, the one who'd promised so much and disappointed so greatly in Jerusalem. And here's Jesus saying to him, take care of my sheep. I'm trusting you again. A spark of hope, renewed zeal. These things must have stirred within him. And you know, it's very interesting that the passage ends, and you'll have noticed this, the passage ends with Jesus saying, Follow me. The very words he said to Peter three years before. He recommissions him. No doubt, Peter determined in his heart not to fail him again. And of course, when we read the Acts of the Apostles, we see there the records of of the exploits and the bravery of Peter in the years that follow. Anyone who has falteringly tried to follow Christ and who's here today feeling a failure. Jesus says to us, do you love me? And as we express that love, even in a very faltering and feeble way, Christ says that he is still trusting us. Feed my sheep, take care of my sheep. He is still a task for us to do. He wants us to take care as he cares for someone who will be in our life today, this week, when we who follow Christ fail him, his only revenge is to trust us more. Finally, the test. Jesus was testing Peter too. Because any Christianity that stops short of genuinely caring for others is a travesty of what Christ taught. Anyone who calls Lord, Lord, and then remains aloof from the pains of this world is in danger of hearing Jesus' final rebuke, depart from me, I don't know you. Jesus sent Peter away that day with a clear command ringing in his ears, take care of my sheep. And on this Easter season, And on this, the first Sunday after Easter, Jesus sends us out of here today with those same words addressed to us, take care of my sheep. Each one of us will be sent by Christ to a different task, no doubt. But if we have confessed our love and if we are determined to serve, then the week ahead will bring us opportunities to show that love and care that is the evidence that the risen Christ lives within us and that we seek to serve him still. Let's pray. Living God, we praise you for the good news of Easter, 
the triumphant message of new hope, new joy, new life, new beginnings for all of us. We praise you, Lord, for what we've seen in the Easter stories, that your love could not be put down, that your purpose could not be defeated, that your goodness could not be destroyed. And as we think of Peter and his frailty, expressing and confessing his love once more, and as we think of our Savior calling him afresh to serve, we know that call is for us also. When life seems hard, when we feel overwhelmed by trials and temptations, when faith seems to fly in the face of reason, assure us once more that your love will not be overcome. When our work seems to bear no fruit and when our efforts go unrewarded, when our hopes remain unrealized, teach us, Lord, that your purpose will ultimately be fulfilled. When we see the innocent suffer and goodness rejected, when evil appears to be victorious, help us to believe that right will finally triumph. Loving God, grant to us the deep assurance which only Easter can bring, that whatever our life brings, whatever we face in the week ahead, however things may seem, your will shall be done and your kingdom come because you will be with us and in love you will help us as we seek to serve you. And all of this we pray in the name of the risen Christ, Jesus. Amen. So we